Hello, friends, and welcome to the Robcast. This is Robcast episode 118. And uh, this is part three of a series I'm doing on wisdom. And this episode is called You the Steward. And I want to walk through what you are the steward of and why this is so vital for how you live your life. Uh, I'm coming to Boston in a couple of weeks. So all of you East Coast friends, it's the last East Coast stop on this tour I've been doing all year. So uh, we're taking over an art gallery for an all-day Saturday event where uh, it'll be in the round, and I'm going to take you through some of the ideas in my book, How to Be Here, and then we're going to interact, and you're going to ask questions, and we're going to go over here, we're going to go over there, and I'm telling you, these it's like a big living room. Uh, these How to Be Here experiences have just just been pure joy. So Boston, I'm coming your way. We'd love to see you there. All that info is at uh, my site. And then I'm um, doing these events here in West Hollywood at the Improv this fall, these two-day Finding Your Groove events. Um, later in the fall, I'm doing a two days for spiritual leaders. Uh, I'm doing a two-day in October for people in business, healthcare, law, entrepreneurs. Um, and then right away in uh, next week, the first one is for communicators. So maybe you teach... Uh, write, maybe you work in a business where you're trying to give language to what you're doing, and it's just two days straight of uh, me talking about communicating. It's all new content. If you've come before, you're going to be hearing new content. And then I love when I do these events, I love to have people show up and surprise um, everybody. And there's some people who I've admired their work. They've inspired me for a while. And I've always thought, if I could get that person to come to one of my events and surprise everybody. That would be the best. And uh, those people said yes. So if you're coming this fall, um, we're going to have some first-time surprise guests that, oh, my word. It's, seriously, what do I say? I'm already smiling thinking about um, how much fun it's going to be. So anyway, all that stuff is at robbell.com. Would love to see you at all of that. But this episode is about you, the steward. In this episode, I want you to see that you possess great energy and power and that your joy is directly related to how you spend this energy and exercise this power that you possess. So one of the things you notice quite quickly in the Proverbs is there are these long lists of things not to do. This is all throughout the wisdom tradition. You'll see this, don't do this, don't do this. And it can easily appear quite negative. But when you read wisdom literature, ancient wisdom literature, you're reading a particular kind of sacred text. So if you read it with a very flat, dimensionless, modern reading, which is what are the facts? What am I supposed to know? Where do I click to buy something? Uh, you're going to miss the depth of it. It's like in high school when you uh, were first assigned to read Shakespeare and you're sitting there like, this is so hard. I can't understand the these and thous. What in the world? But then you went back to class and the teacher took you through a passage and showed you how smart and subtle and nuanced and sophisticated it was. And then you read it again. And then you read it again. And after a while, you like start to find a groove and you start to see past uh, the differences to 
what Shakespeare's doing there and the asides and the winks and the nudges. And then you're like, oh my word, this, no wonder this has been around for so long. This is brilliant. When you read the sacred texts of wisdom literature, it's a very similar thing. You read it, but you have to go below the surface. You have to enter in to the world of the wisdom writer. And when you enter into this rich wisdom tradition, there's just so much, which of course is why I'm doing a series on it. Chapter three, the book of Proverbs, which is right in the middle of the Bible. It's originally written in Hebrew, um, but it reads like this. Do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done you no harm. Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways. It sounds like a not a, it sounds like just a long list of negatives. Don't be violent. Don't accuse anyone. Don't plot harm. Uh, don't withhold good. It sounds like just a long list of things not to do, but if you read it carefully, what you find again and again is the text is about spending your energies well. Don't do these things because you have given yourself to doing these good things in the world. One of the things you noticed in the, in the wisdom literature is there are these stock characters, the evil, the wicked, the prostitute. There are these stock characters who um, speak and who seduce and who destroy. And, and what in wisdom literature, it's very like there's this person and this kind of person. It's intentionally very clear cut. Don't be like this, be like this. Um, it's not that it's denying the ambiguity of life, but it's like a way of writing about wisdom is to make it these very clear, you have a choice to go this way, go this way and not this way. So uh, chapter seven, there's this line about this woman who's dressed like a prostitute. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the square, at every corner, she lurks. So what the wisdom writer does is there are these stock characters who have given their energies to nothing greater than the seduction and destruction of others. Another passage, chapter five, the evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. And then in chapter one, there's this line about these men who wait in line. Uh, they essentially wait to devour other people, but it says, but they essentially are waiting in line for their own blood. They lie and wait for their own blood. They ambush themselves. So when you read it as a whole and you look for larger patterns, what you see is so central to the wisdom tradition is how you spend your energies. And it's like it says, some people have nothing greater they've given their lives to. And so all they're left with is wandering around, lurking on the corner, the seduction and destruction of others, but it's all rooted in this belief that you have power and energy to act in the world. Do not withhold good when it is in your power to act. The word for uh, power there in the Hebrew is the word ayil. It's also the word 
where we get the name El, E-L, which is one of the names for God. Uh, the word means mighty, strong, great. It shares its roots with the name for God. So you have might, you have strength, you have power, you have greatness. And the question is, what will you do with it? In the wisdom tradition, there is an incredibly high view of the good that you can do in the world. And central to being a grounded, centered, rooted person of wisdom is becoming highly attuned to the exercise of your energies. Now you have like literal energy, like an average human at rest is producing about 100 watts of power. So like just literally, uh, what is it, physiologically, biologically, you're producing power. But you have power and energy way beyond that. It's like, think of your energy like a resource, a sacred, precious, limited resource. And you are the steward of this resource. Nobody can care for it and guard it and be intentional about how this resource is spent better than you. Which leads me to talk about the comment section on YouTube videos, <laughs> which you didn't see coming. Think about what the internet has done. Take YouTube, take the comment sections on YouTube and all of the horrible things that people say. Somebody woke up this morning in this world, the world with a Syrian civil war, with hunger. What is it? 600 million people don't have access to clean water. What did a million people kill themselves last year? In this world with the kind of problems that we have, somebody woke up this morning with the kind of injustice, suffering, oppression, and problems that we have, and they could think of nothing better to do with their sacred, God-given, holy, precious energies than to go on the internet and type hate comments about some YouTube video. Do you see why this disturbs you? And we talk about all the hate on the internet. This disturbs you at a deep spiritual level because it's all related to how you understand your energies. And, and we live in a world where there are all of these new ways that people can burn up these sacred, precious energies on things that aren't good, aren't beautiful, aren't redemptive. One time we were staying in Florida in the middle of the winter and it was actually freezing at night. Um, but the place that we were staying had a pool. And one of the things they said is that we keep the pool heated. So it was, and I think they kept the pool heated at like 83 degrees or 84 degrees, but it was hitting 32 degrees at night. There was frost on the ground. But this place where we were staying had committed to keeping the pool heated. So it, you'd wake up in the morning and it would be like low 30s degrees and we would want to go swimming. And we would go to the pool where they were trying to keep it at 83 and it was just solid steam pouring out of the top of the pool. And I kept thinking about the people who owned this place that we were staying and how much money they were spending 
to keep this pool hot. I, I would always laugh picturing that steam like it's just dollar bills, like just floating up out of the pool. All of this resource just floating up and away. Yeah, you, you possess this extraordinary power and energy and how you spend it is incredibly important. That dude who's angry at the ref, you know what I'm talking about, right? The guy was like really embarrassing, like he spilled his beer on the front of his shirt and his face is beet red and he's sweating and he's, he's yelling at the ref throughout the whole game. That guy was angry long before he got to the game. Are you with me? <laughs> yeah, he's angry because he's here to do good in the world. And he hasn't found something, a larger cause, something to give himself to. And so when you have nothing larger that you're giving your energies to, then all you're left with is making a big deal about the call that the ref just made. Do you know anybody who complains all the time? They just never stop complaining about this and about that. Or how about just criticizing? The person who's endlessly criticizing, essentially standing at a distance from everything. The reason why this grieves you is because it is a reflection of how they understand their energies. When you grow in wisdom, you are growing in your awareness of how you spend your energies and what it's doing to you which is why you'll notice it says uh, like th uh, there's a stock character, the wicked in the wisdom tradition, the wicked like look, they seek the destruction of others, but they're essentially lying in wait for their own. They're essentially ambushing themselves is what the writer says, because how you spend your energies does something to you. And so as you grow in wisdom, you're growing in your awareness of how the exercise of your energies is affecting you. In the wisdom tradition, the highest goal isn't intellectual correctness. The highest goal isn't theological rightness. The highest goal isn't getting the furniture in your brain arranged properly. The highest goal is right relationship with yourself, with others, with the soil. We'll talk about that in a future episode. It's the proper exercise of your power in the world. It's walking and acting and doing things in the world in a particular way. So you're the steward of your energies. And there are several practical ways to think about this. First, let's explore the idea of participation. There's this great story in the book of Luke about Jesus. Someone in the crowd says to him, teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, uh, a teacher like Jesus wouldn't be somebody who would hear this sort of dispute. So the man is essentially asking Jesus to do a legal thing. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance within me. But a teacher like Jesus, that wasn't even his role. Um, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge between you? And I love how many English translations of it have Jesus saying, man, like, man. Who appointed me a judge between you? It's as if Jesus is like, what? that isn't what I do. What are you doing? Who? That's not me. That's not my job. Who appointed me to fix this between the two of you? It's not that he's arrogant. 
he's focused. This is not about the ego. This is about engagement. I have things I'm doing. This is not one of them. So you, my friends, what is it that you're doing? Because the closer you can get, the more dialed in, the more fine-tuned you can get to what you're doing, the better you will have a sense of what you simply say, man, that's not my work. <laughs> man, who appointed me a judge on that? Man, now you got to add the man part because it just makes it better. Man, that's not my role. And oftentimes what happens is people have no greater sense of what they're here to do, what they are giving their energies to. And so they're getting pulled all over the place. So when you come to see that you are the steward of your energies, one of the first things that happen is you begin to be much, much more aware of what you don't involve yourself in. Second, energy spent talking about the thing you're going to do is energy you could spend doing it. Do you know anybody who has this big thing that they're going to do? And they keep talking about this big thing they're going to do. And after a while you realize, I think that talking about this big thing they're going to do is how they avoid actually doing the big thing that they're going to do. Yeah. A friend of mine uh, ran it, saw one of his favorite authors in the airport. And he was so excited. And my friend is the kind of friend who would just walk over and start talking to the favorite author, which he did. He sits down next to his favorite author and he says, I'm such an honor to meet you. It's so great. I've just followed you for so long. And then he says to his favorite author, what are you working on? And his favorite author says to him, why would I tell you when that's energy that I could spend actually doing it? <laughs> How fantastic is that? Why would I tell you? <laughs> energy you spend talking about the thing you're going to do is energy that you could spend doing it. And also... I, uh, at a much uh, deeper level, I have seen an extraordinary number of people who have some sense that there's a thing that they're supposed to do, and they keep telling others about it. And you realize they keep telling other people about it because they kind of have a sense of what it is, but there is a step they can take. And by the way, it's generally how it starts. You just get a step. You don't get much. You get enough shape, contour, and texture to know what direction to leap in. But if you got all the details and you had everything nailed down and you were promised that there would be a steady paycheck, then it wouldn't be faith and it wouldn't be risk and it wouldn't be innovation and everybody would be doing it. You with me on that? Yeah, yeah. Everybody who's doing something interesting, you ask them about it and they will tell you stories of how they just had a hunch they had a nudge, they had a sense, they had a next step, and so they took it. If it was all mapped out and it went easy, and it was easy, then everybody would do it. If there was no cost, if there was no sacrifice, if there was no dark night of the soul, then everybody would go on the hero's journey, but they don't. But oftentimes what you'll notice is somebody has some sense of the thing they're supposed to do next, the thing they're here to do. And they keep talking to other people about it. And you realize what they're doing is they're trying to get others to see what they see. But you can barely see it. So how is this person that you're trying to explain it to ever going to see it 
when it is your job to see it, it's your path, not theirs. Stop expecting other people to be on your path or even to understand your path. You're here to do your thing. You're here to spend your energies in a particular way. And if everybody got it and saw it and saw the need for it, then it wouldn't be new and it wouldn't be innovation and it wouldn't be whatever it is you're here to do. So sometimes we are burning so much energy trying to rally people. And sometimes you'll find the, your friend, the activist, who's desperately trying to get everybody cranked up about the thing that they're cranked up about. What's contagious is not somebody who's cranked up about a cause beating me over the head with why I should be cranked up about it. What's contagious is seeing somebody righting a wrong, going after an injustice, freeing somebody who's oppressed, and doing it with joy. What's contagious is somebody going after something that's wrong in the world and doing something about it. And when it's like that, then, then I'm much more likely to join in. Energy you spend talking about the thing you're going to do is energy that you could spend doing it. And you are the steward of your resources. And then thirdly, you have to pick proper battles where there's actually something on the line. Stop getting worked up over ridiculous shit. Are you with me on this, my brothers and sisters? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. If you're going to get worked up over something, get worked over something that's bigger than you. That's interesting. Get worked, over, get worked up over something that's worth getting worked up over. And we live in a world where we're bombarded by people who are worked up over the new Mumford & Sons album and how it's with electric guitars, not acoustic guitars. No, please don't get worked up about that because it's a reflection of how you understand your sacred, God-given, holy, precious energies. What you give your energy to is a reflection of how you understand the value and worth of your power and energy. And this is not about ego, it's about engagement. It's not about being arrogant, it's about being focused. So the real art then is to find the greater thing. And this is actually the thing that can help you when you get stuck and you realize I am burning, there is just steam pouring off this pool. I am burning precious resource, precious energy here. I'm losing precious energy that could be spent for something. The question to ask is what's the greater thing here? What's the greater thing? Especially um, if you struggle with uh, perhaps addiction, perhaps you're easily distracted, perhaps you have things, practices, destructive habits that are hard to be free from, uh, What's the greater thing? What's the greater thing? What's the thing I'm doing here? What's the thing that is worth giving my energies to? What is the thing that I do have power to act on? Uh, that can save you from so much heartache. And it will always involve struggle and cost and obstacles and fear and sacrifice. When you give yourself to something greater, when you give your energies to something bigger, it'll 
always involve leaving the village and wandering into the woods and fighting dragons and friends that turn out to be enemies and enemies that turn out to be friends. It'll always involve some arduous, sweaty, bloody journey. Always does. What's the greater thing here? If you find yourself just leaking energy into all sorts of things that you realize, wait, this can't be what I'm here for. What's the greater thing? What's the greater thing? What's the greater thing? A couple things that have helped me. First, uh, Jesus has this great line to his disciples. After he's like healed people and talked to the masses, he says to them, oh, you'll do greater things than this. <laughs> you'll do greater things than this. I love that line. It's like he tosses it off. Oh, by the way, you thought that was impressive? Oh, you'll do stuff better than that. So first off, within the wisdom tradition, there's a higher view of your energies. Now, for many people, to think about that just raises all sorts of questions about the bloated ego and all the people we know who are like, I'm really a star. Seriously, I'm made for something bigger. It will begin with you acting wherever you are in very humble, everyday sorts of ways. And there will be something greater for you to give your energies to, and you'll know it. Your spirit, your heart, soul will tell you. Your true self will say, this can't be it. This can't be it. So a couple of things that have helped me is this voice of the Christ saying, uh, you're here to give yourself to something greater than yourself. You're here to give your energies beyond yourself. Keep your eyes open. Um, my prayers often show me, just show me what I'm to give my energies to. And then next, uh, I had a friend who when somebody was doing something insane or ridiculous or stupid or distracting, he would say, <laughs> this is like probably 10 years ago, 15 years ago, he would say, uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? And like, we'd be in a public place and like somebody, like we'd be waiting in line somewhere and somebody would cut in front of us and he would stand right behind him and he would just say, uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> he would do it at the most awkward times, like somebody would butt into a conversation and just take over the conversation and he'd look at him and he'd just say, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, you know that friend who is like fearless, who will say anything to anybody? He was that friend. But what still struck me is he would do it all the time and it got to be like an inside joke with us. Like somebody would just do something completely crazy and he would look at me and he'd just be like, what are you doing? He'd like, look at them, what are you doing? And it actually got in my brain. You know how something starts as a joke, but then it actually gets in your brain as like a mantra? And I found that voice to be incredibly helpful when I find myself distracted. When, when you find yourself giving your energies to something that you know is not what you're here to give your energies to. Just ask yourself, what are you doing? What are you doing? When you're involved in something destructive, something trivial that's like a battery drain, um, you're better than this. This isn't what you're here for. What are you doing? So, so I'll just say it now. What are you doing? And then you can record that and just play it on loop. What are you doing? Uh, maybe you're in a relationship that's just totally WBS, warm body, body syndrome. It's not the best relationship. You know it. You're giving all this energy to a relationship that you know it has no future, but you stay in it because it's known and it's predictable and it's safe when you know you need to end it and get out. And because you know there's something better, then you, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Maybe you are giving yourself to work 
that you know is not what you're here to do. And it's time to go do the thing that you're here to do, to get the education, to rent the building, to make the phone call, to call a real estate agent, to enroll in the class, to go do the internship, to volunteer for free, whatever it is. And yet you're still giving your energy to this other thing and you know it's time to be done. What are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, to all those hours that it's easy to spend on the internet, just roaming around with it's not really relaxing. It's not really feeding your soul. It's just kind of mindlessly killing time. What are you doing? What are you doing? In the wisdom tradition, your growth is directly related to your awareness of the exercise of your energies. And what happens as you grow in wisdom is you become more and more and more aware of these sacred, precious, holy energies that you are the steward of and you participate in nonsense less and less and less. And you are much more careful about the battles that you pick because you realize that when you're in a battle, you're exercising your energies and your energies could be used for something else. I love that phrase, the power to act. When it is in the power, when it, when it is possible when you have the power to act essentially is how the wisdom writer says it. And then uh, one more thing, and this is completely ridiculous, but I like saying it. Um, maybe you come from an environment that had a very low view of your energies. Maybe you've been beaten down. Um, maybe you don't come from a world that understands empowerment, a very passive despair kind of world where, uh, Nobody can do anything. This is just how it is. Maybe you just struggle with low self-esteem or uh, an addiction. Uh, maybe you have a voice in your head that keeps telling you that you aren't worthy. Maybe you have a voice in your head that never stops repeating all the ways you've made a mess of things. So just the idea of talking about energy, being a steward of energy, having power to act for good in the world just sounds like motivational nonsense because you have tapes that play in your head that are just, you're nothing. Uh, sometimes what you have to do is you have to invent ridiculously awesome things to think. Um, and you have to make them like mantras. And the more ridiculous and awesome they are, the more helpful they are. So here's one. Um, <laughs> you, can even, you can even write this down. Write this down. Uh, I don't know if you show this to anybody because they'll be like, huh? But this literally can help. It, this can change the game. Write this down. I'm in training. <laughs> so when you find yourself faced with one of those decisions, wait, I'm in training. I'm in training. I have to make the better decision. I'm in training. What are you in training for? I don't know. Make something up. By the way, if you drop this in conversation, hey, you, want, you know what? Let's go to another bar. Let's stay out later and get even drunker. Nah, you know what? I'm in training. Just throw that around in conversation and watch what people do. It's so great. Dude, what are you training for? Uh, life. Um, you know, I got the big thing coming up. <laughs> or how about this one? Try this one. I have a big event coming up. Right. Well, you used to take part in this. You used to do this. No, and I'm not tonight. Why? I have a big event coming up. You know what the big event coming up is? Tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah. What's the big event coming up? Uh, I'm going to go to work. What's the big event coming up? I'm going to make dinner. <laughs> What's the big event coming up? I'm going over to my friend Phil's house. 
uh, uh, I took a run this morning. What, I have a big event coming up. What is it? I'm going to go run. I'm going to run around my neighborhood. <laughs> you can see. I'm <laughs> uh, this makes me laugh really hard. But seriously, sometimes you have to have an inner dialogue that helps you avoid all those little traps where another bit of energy leaks out into something that isn't a part of who you are and what you're doing here. Oh, here's another one, by the way. Here's another line. It's so good. Try this one. It's really important for me to stay focused right now because of what's going on. <laughs> Try that one. Say that to somebody with a straight face. Uh, do you want to go to... No, sorry, I can't. It's just really important for me to stay focused right now because of what's going on. And if the person says, well, oh, oh really? What's going on? Just say to them, uh, my life. My life. If there's something that you used to participate in that now you are not going to participate in because, man, who appointed you judge over that? That's not what you do because you have some things you're doing. That's not it. And you are the steward of your energies. And somebody says, why aren't you doing that? Just say, it's really important for you to stay focused right now because of what's going on. <laughs> oh, yes. Seriously, friends, game the system. Come up with whatever the line is, the mantra, the prayer, the reminder that you are the steward of your energies and you have power to act. And there are all sorts of ways to get destructed, to be one more person wandering around, lurking on every corner, lying in ambush for somebody else, taking delight in the failures of others, following one more gossip website, exerting all this energy on things that don't bring you any joy, but that just kill life and actually deaden you to the gift of being here now with air in your lungs because you're breathing, because you have received this extraordinary gift. I'm in training. I have a big event coming up. It's really important for me to stay focused right now because of what's going on. Yeah, whatever it takes. Because there's something for you to do. And that means you say no to everything else. You, my brothers and sisters, are the steward of your energies. May you steward those energies. May you exercise your power. May you act in the world in beautiful, healing, redemptive, hopeful, inspiring ways. And may grace and peace be with you.